John, it's great to have you back as my sidekick again this week. And we're joined on the show by Matt Holiday. Terrific guest. Uh, we, we've known Matt Holiday for years. A uh, great MLB player, seven-time All-Star, 299 lifetime average. And he has two sons who look like they may be even better than him. So while we're going to be talking about the Yankees and Mets, which obviously is not very positive, we're going to have a little bit of positivity on the show today. If the Yankees and Mets keep playing like this, they're going to have a shot at Ethan Holiday in 2025. We'll talk about <laughs> the good. downfall of the Yankees and Mets, uh, and uh, we'll play hit or error at the end if you stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. John, I missed you last week. I soloed it. it the, the show still had both of our names, the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Uh, but I did a solo act with Billy Epler. Uh, we kind of discussed uh, where they were. And we'll get to the Mets. I feel like we should probably start with the Yankees, John. And the previous show we did, I believe, was our trade deadline show. And I think I used the term in that, that I think the Yankees are about to sink like a lead balloon. I think that was verbatim. And I think you thought I was a little too harsh that day. Um, I don't think I was a little too harsh. I didn't like anything I was seeing from them uh, physically on the field, emotionally in the clubhouse, from a leadership standpoint in the clubhouse or from uh, the manager or above. I saw a lead balloon. Was I right? Uh, yeah, you might have under you might have undersold it. I mean, they are terrible right now. Uh, I saw fan graphs. Uh, you told me 5.3% chance to make the playoffs. You know, I can't even imagine it's that high at this point. They have really been terrible. The starting pitching, it's I can't even believe where it's at right now. Obviously, Cortez out, Rodon out, but he wasn't good. Herman out. We know why that's happened. But I mean, Severino to me is the shock at eight per eight ERA. I, I don't think anyone saw that coming. And you know, they can't hit, and now they have no rotation. Three openers in a row, that's not gonna cut it. Yeah, you know what's amazing, John? As we're doing this show, the Mets, who sold everything they could at the trade deadline, are 12 and 17 in the second half. The Yankees are 11 and 17. They didn't sell, I guess you could call them a buyer if you think Kenyon Middleton's a buyer, but they didn't sell from what they thought was a contender. And somehow they have a worse record than the Mets in the second half. They must admire the Mets. John, there's so much wrong with the Yankees right now. And I know this will might feel like deck chairs on the Titanic, but I don't think it's deck chairs on the Titanic because I'm not sure. I think there's probably a few managers who can manage any kind of team. I think Craig Council can manage any kind of team. Dusty Baker, Bruce Bochy, you know, a handful of guys who I think are superb managers. You put it, you know, this has been a lot in a lot of ways, a push button team that Aaron Boone's had. And it's not this year. And I think one of the things is that Boone wants to kind of like be chummy with the players. He wants the players to like him. And every game I watch, they play baseball poorly. And again, we're an evergreen show. But just speaking last night, they're losing eight to two to the Braves. It's I think the sixth inning, the guy on the mound has the best pickoff move in the major leagues. And Harrison Bader gets picked off. At that point, Aaron Boone asks for an instant replay. You know, he puts his hands to his thing. He shouldn't have done that. He should have pulled Bader from the field and <laughs> and had and begun to stand for something. This season has been like Harrison Bader, Glaber Torres fantasy camp. Like they're playing a completely different sport than everyone else. They're trying to have like fun amid this. At some point, 
if things are going to go wrong, even if it's just for Anthony Volpe and other players who are going to be here in the future, can you say what the New York Yankees stand for, that it won't be just stupid baseball every night? Yeah, you know, I heard that on the broadcast yesterday, the questions for Boone. You know, I really just think they're bad. I, I just think they haven't hit. They can't pitch. Uh, that's their problem. They have a negative seven run differential. I, I, you know, someone asked about the base running. First of all, I do think Bader was safe, but you know, it wasn't going to be overturned because it was, it was obviously you couldn't tell for sure. Um, why is it play. even close though, John, you're down eight to two, the guys on, but, but that's Bader. That's the Kleber. And by the way, they Boone Boone talked after the game was nonsense. They've made the most outs on the bases this season. They have made the most outs. It isn't, and by the way, it isn't like they're daring and they've got a lot of speed. They're a, and I by the way, I agree with you, John. If they were pitching and hitting, we wouldn't notice. But that was my point. In the past, they pitch and hit. You don't have to manage the team in a lot of ways. This team needs to be managed. At what point are you going to not just do the happy talk? Actually, we're kind of good on the bases. You're not. Are you watching the games? You're terrible <laughs> on the bases. Look at the statistics. You're terrible. Stand for something. At this point, they are not making the playoffs. At least stand for something. Well, I mean, part of his success has been getting along with the players and being good in the clubhouse and the players loving him and respecting him and wanting to play for him. I do think that is a big part of managing, and we give him that. Uh, he's moved a little bit away from the happy talk, I'd say, in the last couple of weeks. Probably not as far as you and I would like to see. I, I do think, you know, I, it's good that you have that statistic. I, I do think they have not hit. You know, we can't expect them to have a winning record. It's amazing to me they have a winning record when their starting pitching has been atrocious lately. Uh, their bullpen hasn't been that good lately, and they can't hit. And Judge missed a, a, a significant amount of time. Now, I know you said Houston's got a, a lot of guys who've been hurt. The Dodgers have a, a lot of guys who've been hurt, and they've still been really good. Houston's been good. Dodgers have been great. Yankees have not been good. Obviously, something's wrong. It's not a good team. I don't think these base running issues are the reason, but, you know, they do point to an issue, another issue that they do have. I think that's fair to say. John, I am at, I, I just want to be clear. I'm in 100% agreement with you. And that's my point is historically under Boone, those first five years, they hit and pitched. So the tactical stuff, the camaraderie, all that stuff got washed away. And I'm agreeing if they were hitting and pitching this year, who would care about the other thing, but they're not. And like, I, I, I agree. They're over 500. I'm going to stick with my lead balloon. This is not going to stay over 500. They, 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 they're not good at anything. They don't hit well. They don't pitch well. They don't run the bases well. They're pretty good on defense. Their bullpen is a little shakier than normal, but generally good. But like hitting and, pit and starting pitching are the core of the game. And they're not good at these things. And in some ways, John, I'm not exactly sure how they dig out of it. Uh, because, because, like, the Orioles are going to be good for a lot of years. You mentioned some of the teams that have survived stuff. Think about what Tampa Bay has survived this year. They've lost three top starting pitchers. They might be without Wanda Franco now for the rest of the year. Who knows what's going on there? They always find a way. Toronto is better than them moving forward. I think Boston's better than them moving forward. What are the, what are the cornerstones of this? Anthony Volpe was supposed to be a cornerstone. He looks like a nice player. Is he going to be better than a nice player? You know, I, I think I have more faith in Volpe than you do. I mean, obviously the batting average is low. I think the defense is better than we expected. I obviously can steal bases basically at will when he gets on. 
and he does have more power than we thought. So, I, you know, I, I do see this is a rookie year. I mean, we, you can't expect everybody to be, a, you know, Adley Rutschman or somebody like that in their rookie season. He, I think he's been pretty good uh, overall uh, compared to what we should have expected. Maybe we expected too much. I don't know. I am with you on the lead balloon. I do think they're sinking. I do think they're going to finish with below 500 record. I mean, their advantage is just like the Mets going forward. They're a rich team. You know, the owner isn't as rich, but the revenues are higher than everybody else's revenues. They're still drawing fans. I, I couldn't believe it. A month ago, they were still basically selling out every game. I mean, a couple seats here and there. And this is not a great team to watch. Even when they were five or ten games over, which they were at some point. I know it's hard to remember that. They're, they're not a great team to watch. They weren't hitting. Uh, you know, they were only really good on Garrett Cole's days. And now Cole has turned into the new DeGrom, right? They can't win for him. They can't hit for him. And they're losing those games. So I, I do expect them to finish with a losing record this year. I don't believe they have a 5% chance to make it. Uh, I, I think it's less than that. But going forward, you know, obviously they have Judge. They have Cole. Those are two of the best players in the game. And they have the, the spending power. So they have three great things going forward. And, uh I still expect them to be a winning team. Look, they've been a winning team for a quarter, a quarter century, a generation of winning teams. That's pretty good. But I, I think this year it, the jig is up and and their their streak is up. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Volpe has been misserved by whatever hitting geniuses decided that he should only use half half the field. He should think about being a 300 hitter. I think he's, to your point, he does have a lot of power compact in that body. I think he hits 15 and 20 homers trying to be a 300 hitter. You combine that with the defense, which I agree with you, has been stellar this season, much better than a little bit like Francisco Alvarez, right, in his rookie year. It's much better than was advertised, and uh, the base running, good. John, uh, let's let's flip to Francisco Alvarez's team here, the Mets. Uh, look, I think there's another one where it feels like you caught up to me. Uh, you did a mea culpa in the newspaper. I liked what they did at the trade deadline. I think when we did our trade deadline show – and I, I like what they did. And I also thought that 2024 wouldn't be bad because Cone could use his money to dominate the one and two year market to augment around still some good players, including Alvarez. In the post, uh, you wrote kind of like that. I think you agree. Take us through your transition. Why, why do you believe it? Well, I mean, I thought the options at the time were to sell uh, Robertson, Pham and Canna, the free agents to be were pretty productive. And I didn't think you'd give up a season for that. As, as we saw, even with paying those contracts, you didn't get a ton for those players. Uh, I didn't think they were going to totally reverse course, although other teams were saying they were talking sell. I didn't really believe that they were going to do it in the end. Eventually, when they traded Scherzer, I believed that Verlander was going to be gone as well. Um, you know, paying – it's a new way to do it. It's a new way to uh, – uh, help your future. And uh, now four of their top eight prospects are guys they acquired. Luis Angel Acuna leading the way as their number one prospect. And let's not hold it against him that Ronald is his brother because he is a very good prospect. Maybe not the power, but really good prospect. And they got four good, really good prospects, including one for Robertson. They did get a Vargas, Marco Vargas, who's a good on base machine as a, an infielder. So um, I think their future looks better. They said they're going to be competitive. You know, I think that's fair. I think that's really where we stand right now because I still think their position player nucleus is good overall. Obviously, Diaz will be back and healthy next year. And, you know, obviously they don't have a rotation right now. You've got Senga and you've got Quintana. 
and uh, you need three starters. You know, maybe Peterson can be one of those starters, maybe McGill, but I wouldn't count on it. So I think they need to go out and get three starters. And very fortunately for them, uh, this is one of the best free agent starting pitching markets ever. And it's not going to be as expensive as Scherzer and Verlander, but it's going to be expensive. And uh, that's one thing Cohn can do. And I think, you know, in the end, I'm not sure exactly how he feels, but he was able to recover and get good prospects, at least by paying the money down on Scherzer and Verlander. And maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing to go out and sign uh, Snell or uh, Nola or an Urias, uh, three, you know, ace type starters who are out there. Uh, Yamamoto, um, I think that probably isn't a bad strategy and hope for the best and hope that they live up to their contracts. And if they don't, you know, you can probably trade it, sell it, pay it down somewhat. Now, I they did have the advantage of Scherzer and Verlander being short deals. You know, if you sign a guy for $200 million, it's pretty, it's a little more difficult to pay it down if he's not performing. But, uh, you know, I, I do feel, I believe, take them at their word, they're going to be competitive. And uh, I think the free agent market, plays into their hands and I think they'll be okay next year yeah I actually don't think they're going to go for those kind of starters I don't think he's going to do long-term contracts with starters right now I don't think that except for maybe Yamamoto and one of the reasons is if you notice under Cone they haven't signed anyone who was qualified offer free agent uh because they did want to give up the draft picks because they're trying to do something better the three starters you mentioned I think all get the qualifying offer thrown on them uh I don't think the Mets will do that I think they'll go after Yamamoto because He's younger, uh, though Urias is very young. Uh, Yamamoto uh, doesn't – you don't have to worry about the QO. I think he's going to try to do one- and two-year things. Like I could see them – and again, this isn't as sexy, but I could see them trying to like trade for Chris Sale and see if the Red Sox would include a prospect with it. Go for James Paxton. See if they could fix Luis Severino. Like that kind of stuff, one- and two-year stuff. And if it works, then they'll use some of this prospect base to try to build it up next July. And if not – They'll flush one more time in July and I think really tilt towards 2025. That's my suspicion of what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to play, except for Otani, I don't think, who I'm not sure will come east, I don't think that they'll play in the big starting pitching market. Yeah, I mean, I think and they've been eyeing Otani and certainly Epler was the one who signed him with the Angels. But most importantly, uh, Cohn has been eyeing him. He went to Japan, so I'm pitch over there. Um, you know, I do think they will go for Otani. You know, we're just reading tea leaves. None of us know whether Otani will come east. Five of the seven teams who were finalists were from the West Coast last year. He ultimately signed with the Angels. So that's really the only tea leaf we have. And I think it's probably a long shot based on that. But And and the fact that he told the Yankees that he couldn't see himself in a big city. He's kind of in a big city now. He's sort of in Los Angeles, but, you know, maybe draws the line somewhere. So I, I don't think their chances of for Otani are great. Uh, I'm not as enthused about signing Severino or somebody like that. He's an ADRA. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm talking about the type of starter, John. Yeah, I think someone is going to sign Severino, and, and and maybe it'll work out. But I mean, with with Cone's wherewithal, I, I don't love that. You know, and, and maybe things will change a little bit. Billy Epler, we don't think is going to be the guy in charge. Uh, and I know he was on your show yesterday, and he spoke about that, and he, he said very nicely that he's fine with them bringing somebody in above them. And I think we all believe that it's probably going to be David Stearns, who he's tried for a couple times, wasn't able to get him because Mark Anasio, the Brewers' owner, who's in all his rights, declined to let him talk to him. Now the contract is up after this year, and 
I think we all believe it'll be Stearns. I'd still love to see Theo Epstein be a possibility. Uh, I'd like to see them have two possibilities who they're enthused about, not just one, uh, because there might be openings elsewhere. And is there any guarantee? I know Stearns is from New York. People who know him think he would come here. You know, he sat out this year after Mark Adnazio did not like the fact of that hater trade. And I don't know whether it was because he yelled at him or what, or just because he wasn't going to be the long-term guy and he turned down the contract. We don't know. But, you know, obviously he's been operating in Milwaukee where there's basically very little media different than New York. Theo Epstein, to me, is the one who's really proven in a big market, who's won three championships, and I'd love to see him go for him. But, you know, I, I don't know that Theo Epstein would be interested. Obviously, they talked last time and didn't work out, probably from both sides. So, uh, you know, we'll see how things operate. They may change with Stearns. Uh, you know, he's used to being in a small market, so maybe he'll be very protect, more protective of of the players that you said, like, like Epler has been. But, you know, I'm still hopeful that they're – you know, not just world competitive, we can, you know, be over 500, that we can come actually compete for the title. And with the team that they do have now, I, I, at least Yamamoto, I think that would help. Uh, but I, I'd like to see them compete for some of these players. And, you know, frankly, I thought third base was solved. And I think they're worried about it right now. I don't know where you stand on this now. Uh, I thought he was okay defensively. I don't know what they were expecting, but he, he didn't hit. Beatty did not hit. So I think that third base is a concern now. And you wonder if Matt Chapman could be on the board. Now, that's one of those big-time free agents. It's a lot of money. And they do have two possibilities. They also have Mauricio, who hasn't gotten a chance. I'm wondering, are they leaving Mauricio down so that he can be that full-year rookie of the year last next year? I don't know what the reason is that he's still down there. I can't figure it out. But I'd like to see them call him up and see if he can be the third baseman. Let's see if he can play third. And if he can't, you know, obviously 50 games may not be a good test. If he can't, maybe then they go – toward Chapman, but, you know, I'd still like to see them compete for those big players. Yeah, uh, just, to, just to wrap it up, John, because you asked what I thought is, uh, I think you and I have been around New York, and one of the things that is hard to overcome is when a player looks, you let's pick a word like overwhelmed instead of scared, but whatever the word was, that's what Brett Beatty looked like playing this year. As things got worse and worse, he seemed to retreat into being overwhelmed, etc., I wonder if we're going to see some flip-flop here. I wonder if starting some point he goes to left field or right field and he gets some time there. And if you've noticed, Maurizio is now playing third base twice a week. And I do think before the season is over, I wouldn't be surprised if Maurizio's playing a lot of third and Beatty's out in the outfield a little and they take a look at both of those things. But I suspect that even if they do, they'll get a one-year stopgap third baseman, Gio Rochella kind of guy just to be sure in case they don't do Chapman they'll get some uh, more canna like left fielder just to be sure in case the guy can't go out there I think it's the one place where Cohn's money doesn't just exist at the top of the market he could win for the guy who's getting offered 10 million he could get 12 give him 12 or 14 to get him here if that's what he wants to do yeah, fair. Um, you know, I, I just on Beatty, yeah, I understand he certainly didn't hit like we expected him to hit. But, you know, if you can recall, there have been a ton of guys who come up to New York and weren't great for half a season. Melky Cabrera looked very nervous his first month or two. We never thought that he was going to be the player that he turned out to be. I, I don't want to make a, a judgment. I, I know that it's Beatty's stock is down, but uh, I do think he can hit. If they find the right position. I think he could for- hit. I think it could hit. Yeah. I'm wondering about third base. I wonder if you need to push him further away from the ball. 
Yeah, I don't. To me, wasn't terrible, but I, I saw the metrics. He is well below average. Um, Feet don't work great. You know, you're at the ballpark, like third base. When we think about the really good third baseman, their feet work great, and his feet didn't seem to work great. Well, there have been a lot of guys like Wade Boggs and others who were below average defensively for at least a year, two years, three years, and became better. And but I, you I want them to contend I, next year, John. We can't have a guy Wade Boggs it for a few. Oh, years. you can. You can live with Wade Boggs at third base. Um, yeah, I I do think they have two good. If he's hitters. Wade Boggs. They'll be good next year. Yes, Mauricio and Beatty can hit, and they just need to find the right positions for them. They do have good prospects now. Their future looks better than I expected to look. So. You know, it's funny we're ending on a kind of a semi-bright note for the Mets, semi. Uh, and Yankees, we just completely buried today. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we were correct. The Yankees were a little better than the Mets, but both are much worse than I would have suspected. The Yankees are heading towards the Mets. You mentioned people who could hit. Our next guest was certainly someone who could hit in the major leagues. And he has two sons who might be hitting in the major leagues pretty soon. That's Matt Halliday. If you stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Back on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. And we're joined by somebody who has 316 homers, seven-time All-Star, World Series champion, four silver sluggers, NLCS MVP, uh, and is going on the Hall of Fame ballot this year. So my question off of all that, Matt Holiday, is what do you think about all that? In about two or three years, probably all anyone will know you for is being the father of Jackson and Ethan Holiday. I, you know, I, I think it's um, when it's your kids, I'm perfectly fine with it. You know, I think uh, it happened fast. I mean, I think even at the uh, the opening press conference uh, with with Jackson at the Orioles uh, at Camden Yards, they introduced me as Jackson Holiday's dad. And I said, wow, that happened fast. So <laughs> I uh, they went from being my kids to I'm their dad in uh, in, a, in a pretty uh, fast time. But uh, I'm really proud of them. So, you know, as you guys know, when, when it's your kids, you, you, there's nothing that, that really, it doesn't bother me one bit. Joe, good list on Matt Holiday. Obviously an outstanding, outstanding career. I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but you, you might have. I might have missed the batting title also. I think he had MVP awards uh, votes, uh, I think at least eight years. I might be wrong on that, but at least eight years. So uh, it was quite a career uh, for Holiday. And obviously he won a lot of games with the Cardinals there. Uh, I do want to ask you about your sons, though. I mean, uh, you know, I know we're 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 turning the page very quickly to your sons from you, but uh, three forty-two uh, Jackson is hitting. I mean, we'll, we'll, I'll follow up with Ethan later, but let's ask about Jackson first of all. Did you when did you know that he was going to be this kind of a prodigy? And don't be modest because he is a prodigy. He was picked number one. He's in Double A. He's nineteen, and he's hitting three forty-two. Well, I would say going back to even when he was a little kid, I remember uh, he was obsessed with baseball. He was obsessed with hitting things. I remember, uh, you know, going back to we lived in Austin, Texas early in his life and in, in the off season. And, and my dad was coaching at Texas and uh, we were living there. And, and my dad, I remember him tying a string out on the, in the outside sort of awning uh, that had a wiffle ball tied to it. And, and even as early as two years old with his little red bat, he would go out and he would hit that wiffle ball on the string. And of course it would go up and it would, it would wrap around and he'd hit it as it was coming back down. So he was hitting moving targets at, at two years old. So I remember even from a, a very, you know, tiny age of, of having a, an incredibly fundamental swing. Like I would, 
I still have pictures of when he was a, a kid and, and just his body position and the way he was loading and just um, I'd, I'd watch as, a, as an active player going, golly, I wish my swing looked more like that. Um, so um, even from from that that stage of, of being, you know, even two, three years old, um, I could see I was like, wow, he's he just gets his body in really good positions. And um, even growing up, he, he played and, and he loved to play and loved to be around, loved to practice, loved to be at the field, loved to take ground balls. Um, really grew to have a real passion for baseball and love to practice it, which I think is is crucial. Um, he he didn't really mature physically and and really hit puberty as early as a lot of kids. So he looked young, still does, and and his body. Um, he was on the smallish side from a figure standpoint, uh, even you know up until you know probably his junior senior year in high school. But his skill level was always so high and his baseball IQ and uh, people always said, you know, I always told people um, when his strength and maturity start to come in and match his skill, he's really going to take off. And so, um, you know, right about his his the end of his junior year going into his senior year, um, he really started to kind of fill out. He started to get strong. He got faster. His arms really start his arms really started kind of upticking and and uh and really just kind of watch this um sort of takeoff of going from a you know what people would say would maybe be a, a late first round early second round type of kid to um being considered for the number one pick and then um you know on into the minor leagues and, and really uh just kind of excelling and and i think a lot of it is his brain and his, his mentality and his his focus and and how he handles failure uh but the from a physical standpoint um, he's always been a very skilled hitter, a very skilled baseball player, and, and uh, it's served him well. I think he he adapts to locker rooms of older players and kids um, that, that you know, being around the locker room and being around older players and baseball people for a long time, I think has served him really well for a 19-year-old in AA that gets along with his peers and loves his teammates and um, and has not been – uh, I don't think he's been real homesick. He hasn't uh, expressed that. Uh, we've tried to make it out there to to hope to make this transition easy on him. But um, it's it's been a it's been a really exciting year, John. And and uh, you know he's 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 played really well. So uh, it's been a fun process, a fun journey to go through with him. Uh, but I, like I said earlier, I, I think the the shared passion that we have for baseball is the thing that I love the most. And uh, he loves the practice and and he loves the grind of it. And he's always talking to me about uh, hitting and other hitters and mechanics and what he sees and what he feels and what I think about it. And so it's, it's a fun, as you guys know, when you, when you find something that you share a passion with, with your kids, it makes it all the better. And so it's been a, it's been a fun process. Matt, you mentioned how young he looks. I remember before that draft, when I saw a picture of your son, I was like, this is the first pick in the draft? Like, I understand I'm getting old, but they look young. And you pointed it out, 19 years old, he's climbed from, to John's numbers, A to high A to double A this year. He's 19, doesn't turn 20 until December. You know this sport, your whole family, you mentioned it's a family of baseball people and you played in the major leagues. Is he going to be able to make the next jump real big jump to the major leagues as early as next season and if so why to your expert eye 
Yeah. Um, I, I think it's definitely uh, a possibility. I mean, obviously, you, you never and you know assume that something's going to happen. But when I watch him play, and, and I've gotten a chance to probably see 15 games this year, 15, 16 games, and the people that I talk to him that are around every day, uh, I get notes from people in the organization that say, uh, you know, they just love watching uh, watching him play and his leadership. And um, you know, there people send me really nice texts about, hey you know, Jackson is in the weight room and he's pushing heavy weight and, and the guys are starting to follow and, and people are paying attention to everything he does. And, and he sets such a good um, a standard for, for what it looks like in early work and in the weight room and, and everything he does. So um, I, I think he is uh, mentally, uh, I think he's mentally strong, mentally uh, capable of playing in the major leagues soon. Uh, when I watch him on the field in Double A, it's it's he looks like a major league player, um, and so I, you know, he he's such a uh, confident yet humble young man. Uh, I, I think it's it's a real possibility that he's pretty close to to being major league ready, and whether that's you know, shoot, you know, giving him a chance in September to see what it looks like, or 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 next year in spring training getting a chance to make the opening day roster, or at some point next season. Uh, I, I think he looks and and mentally he's prepared for that. So um, we'll see. Uh, as you said, he's only 19 and, and the major leagues is full of grown men, but um, he's he's got a lot of skills that that make him a winning player, uh, even at the major league level uh, right now. So um, I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see. But uh, to answer your question, I think there's a lot of factors. I think he brings a lot of uh, dynamics to the field. He walks a lot. He doesn't chase the zone, which, as you guys know, is very important when you're trying to play in the major leagues. Um, he can steal a base. Uh, he's He can play defense. Um, and then he uses the whole field, and I think that's important. He like you know, he hits the ball the other way really well, and and that'll be crucial for his uh, his his success in the major leagues. So um, all that being said is I, I think he's pretty close to being ready. John, John, can I just jump in and and, and ask one thing? Just because he you you mentioned, I asked next year. You just used the word September. Do you think there's a chance with the Orioles in the race right now that your 19 year old son could get called up to and try to help them finish this thing off in September? I don't have any insider information. I just know that Michael Elias didn't rule it out when somebody asked him about it, and and I know the way he's playing right now and. And look, if it was me, I would I would have him up there in, in the playoffs just to let him experience it. I would have a couple of their young players that maybe you're counting on in the next year or two. Um, I, I think that, that that's immeasurable experience to to be around a playoff uh atmosphere and and think about these guys for the next five, 10 years and getting them exposed to um what that looks like and 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 just the the intensity and the excitement of playoff baseball. Um, I don't know that I probably, I would say probably not. They have so many good young players and, and you have options at shortstop with Gunner and, and, and Westberg and, um, you know, Joey Ortiz and they, they have, they have so many, you know, great young players. Um, but I, I, I just think that, you know, for me with, with, with Michael, Elias not ruling it out. And as, if Jackson continues to play the way he's playing right now, um, shoot, you never know, but, uh, to let him to let him be around it and 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 Kerstead and and some of these young guys that that you could expose to the environment um, of playoff baseball, a playoff run uh, down the stretch. I, I think it would be valuable. 
you know, people are getting to know Jackson certainly when he was the number one pick and all that. And now you you have another son who's a another huge huge prospect and may I don't know if he's going to be the first pick a couple of years from now, but people are speculating that he could be as well. Uh, I mean, obviously genetics plays a role in this you, as we documented your career, but I, I mean, do you think it's genetics or, I mean, you, you are in a, a coaching at Oklahoma state. You've, I know helped out some major leaguers now. How much of this do you think is genetics and, and how much is coaching and where does Ethan stand right now? Yeah. I mean, I think John, I think it's, it's, a, it's a lot of things. I mean, these two boys grew up in the clubhouse with me. Um, thankfully I played in a couple organizations that allowed a lot of access for them to be around a lot of great players to see and experience and grow to love the game in a, in a really cool way. Um, so I, I think it, it, I mean, obviously uh, genetics plays a part, but I think uh, passion for the game, love of practice, um, getting exposed to great major league players that give them tips as young people, um the whole nature versus nurture like that whole phenomenon like i don't know that we'll ever know for sure but um he's he's a he's a bigger kid so he's six four and probably 210 right now 205 um he just had a great weekend at, at the baseball factory in in dallas played really really well um just a different player than jackson um but he's got a great future he's a he's an incredible young man um so we'll see. I mean, like I said, I, I don't want to, you know, put the cart before the horse as far as, um, you know, how high he'll get drafted. But he's got he's got plenty of of potential uh, to make baseball um, a career out of it. And and uh, and and I love watching it. Like, again, when you have a shared passion with your kids and, and they say, Dad, you want to go hit dad, will you go hit me ground balls? Uh, I can do that all day. You know, it's their idea. They're pushing me to help them. I love it. Um, so uh, I, I think I do have some some knowledge, obviously getting a chance to play as long as I did and, and, and play with different players and be around different coaches and and gain the knowledge that that, that I was able to gain and in, in having a, a, a long career. Uh, I think I've been able to help them along the way with a lot of it. A lot of it, I think, you know, mentally more too, and and how to deal with failure and 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 how to be a good teammate and and just kind of some from that the things that are most important and and making sure that that they understand the the things that are most important. Um, so I, I think it's it's a lot of those things. It's probably a combination of 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 all of that. But um, it's you know it comes down to to how bad do you want it and how much do you love to practice and what are you willing to sacrifice for me and and they uh they seem to to have that that desire to to be great you know i think dad was being a little modest right i think your son ethan was just named the mvp of that baseball factory uh event and i think that event is generally for guys who are going to be drafted in 2024 your son is a 2025 projection so he's younger than most of the people there that's mvp john used the word genetics i'm just wondering how does one of the foremost right-hand hitters of his generation end up with two left-hand hitting sons i'm not sure uh to be honest <laughs> with you the little guy my my 10 year old is lefty lefty so i i don't know how this happens uh joel uh, my daughter has a really good right-handed swing she doesn't play softball but when we play wiffle ball out in the yard, I I think you know that looks more like me. You know, she's got this really <laughs> flat-handed swing. Um, so I I don't know how it happened. Uh, my wife's brother is a lefty, uh, but other than that, I can't seem to figure out how this happened. Maybe 
they realized when they watched all those sliders going down and away from me as a right-hand hitter uh, from Jake Peavy and, uh, you know, uh, Max Scherzer, maybe they saw all those things and thought, you know what, maybe I'd rather stand on the left side where it comes into me more often than goes away from me. So I'm not sure how it happened, but uh, I'm happy for them uh, that, it, that it did uh, because I know that, that they won't be exposed to uh, the likes. I mean, I know we have lefties and lefty specialists and all this, but uh, you don't have to look at that slider going down away quite as often as you do as a right-hand hitter. A good answer to a trick question there by Joel. I, I didn't imagine you'd come up with such a good response to that. Uh, you know, I, you've done so well with your sons. Obviously, you are a part-time coach at Oklahoma State now. I know you uh, considered becoming the Cardinals a bench coach. Uh, I mean, teams must be clamoring for you to be, be a coach. I mean, uh, your record is uh, incredible to this point. Uh, do you see that in your future, coaching, managing, anything like that at the major league level, or or is that too time consuming? And you want to see, you know, how all your children, you know, grow up. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, being blessed enough to be a play as long as I did, uh, you realize what it is to 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 play a full major league season and and what you do miss. Um, I, I miss. I miss being part of a team at the at the highest level. Uh, when I took the Cardinals bench coach job. It seemed like a great opportunity, and it was. It is a great opportunity, and and to be uh, a bench coach uh, for a great organization with, uh, you know, one of my my great friends in the game as the manager, um, it seemed like an incredible opportunity, and it was. But when uh, as spring training got closer, uh, realizing what I was going to miss and the sacrifice that that it, that it takes to be all in, and I didn't want to be sort of one foot in and one foot out, wishing I was somewhere else. Um, realizing that 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 wasn't good for them, it wasn't good for me, um, and just you know realizing that hey, this isn't the time for me. I I, I want to be at Ethan's high school games. I want to be able to at the drop of a hat go see Jackson if he needs me to come up and and maybe help him if he's a little off. And um, I have two younger kids. I have a daughter who's thirteen and a son who's ten that are, that have lots of activities that that I would be you know sacrificing for for my own sort of personal career ambition. Um, so all that to say is, do I miss coaching and and think, or maybe miss the uh, the idea of being part of a, a major league staff and maybe one day managing? Uh, is that something that, you know, deep down I, I would like to pursue uh, someday? Yeah, I think so. But uh, at, at the expense of what? And I think that that's, that's something that, that rolls through my mind all the time is when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And the things that I would be saying no to at this time uh, didn't didn't I didn't want to say no to them and and so um, it's it's uh, it's it's tempting uh, I I love the idea uh, but I think at this time and and probably in the next few years uh, getting a chance to watch the the older boys and and my my two youngers uh, do all their activities and 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 getting a chance to just kind of be where I want to be as opposed to to kind of you know having a schedule that's set for you. Um, is something that, you know, it's just, <clears throat> it's just hard to, hard to pass it up. And so um, I hope that answered your question, but yeah, I, I, I like the idea of someday, you know, being part of a, a big league organization. You know, Matt, I, I think you're almost the perfect person to answer something I've been thinking about a lot as I watch, and maybe this is the old man on the lawn and every generation says it about the previous generation, but I watch major league baseball these days. And I feel like just technically it's not a well-played game. And I'm just wondering between 
showcase events for kids, which I'm sure both of your kids have had. And like the tutoring where we're trying to perfect this. And by the way, I think all this is good, but like where we're trying to just perfect the individual is something being lost about the team. You mentioned Jackson's baseball IQ. You're watching this. Are we not focusing enough on baseball IQ and teamwork, et cetera, as we're developing players? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely, um, when you think about the travel baseball and the showcase circuit and getting a chance to watch Jackson go through it and now Ethan go through it, they don't practice much. Uh, if ever, as a, as a, particularly in the summer, I know the high school is a little different. <clears throat> they get a little more practice and a little more team. Uh, but I think to your point, I do think that it is very individualized with the lessons and the, and the, in the sort of, um, yeah, like you go to, you go to, uh, you go to these showcases and you, and you take 10 ground balls and you, you know, you have the kid that, uh, they're crow hopping and they throw it to first base and they throw it 20 feet over the first baseman's head, but it reads it 94 miles an hour across the diamond. And, and that gets, you know, acknowledged and ranked. And then you have, you know, kids trying to hit it. Uh, the exit below, they hit it 102. Uh, uh, so that's a measurable that gets ranked. Okay. But how, I'd rather watch him take infield and watch him turn double plays and get outs and like, if you get the guy out, it doesn't matter if you throw it 95 across the diamond. And, and you know, it, it, I, I think we have kind of swung over there a little bit too far um, and and not as uh, playing with instincts. And and I don't think and that, again, this isn't us being old, old, uh, get off my lawn. But, you know, the old days of just playing wiffle ball or being outside and playing with your friends and playing rag ball and, and, and playing uh, and and just you know the the competitive element of trying to win and doing everything at, at the expense of winning. Um, I think we have gotten away from that a little bit, and and I think you even you know the analytics would say don't bunt, don't don't sacrifice uh, sort of giving yourself up and hitting a grounder to second to get the guy over from second to third. And I think sometimes the numbers uh, they can't quantify the uh, I, I guess the just the winning part of small parts of the game. Um, and so when we don't acknowledge it, we can't quantify it. Um, it's not taught. It's not emphasized at the minor league level. Uh, the emphasis is more on guys getting to the major leagues and, and, and getting there and, 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 and really winning and losing seems to be not really that big of a deal um, where that competitive spirit of, Hey, let's win. You know, I, I think that that's one thing, uh, particularly with Jackson that I've noticed that even at the minor league level, like he wants to win these games and, um, you know, sort of somebody on the outside looking in would say, well, Bowie's five or 10 games under 500. They're not really uh, going to make the playoffs. And I, when I see like the emotion and, and the way he's playing and I talk to him and he's pissed when they lose and he wants to win. Um, I think it's really healthy. And I think that that's something like, you know, to your point uh, that maybe we have gotten away from a little bit. And, and something that, that I think that, uh, you know, from a skill level, hey, can you hit a ground ball to second base on command? Uh, even if you're the three hole, can you set your teammate up uh, to, to get that game winning run home at third base? It's way easier to hit a pop fly or to hit a hard grounder up the middle because the infield's in to score that run as opposed to I'm going to be the hero and I strike out and now he's still on second and my teammate has to hit a single for us to get that winning run home or that tying run home. Um, so I, I think we have 
lost maybe a little bit of that, but I think it'll come back around. I think the game works in waves and, and, uh, and I think it already is coming back around a little bit with, with more contact and more stolen base, a little more manufactured runs. And, um, but yeah, I agree with you. Matt, I want to thank you for joining us again. And uh, it's fairly been terrific. And, uh, you know, Joel asked you one trick question. I'm going to ask you one hard question for my last question. But people can see what a smart guy you are and how you'll be able to handle it. Uh, You are obviously part of a lot of winning teams, the best moment in Rocky history. But then certainly with the Cardinals, perennial winners, world champions. um, You know, you almost went back there again for this year. Um, so I want to ask you, do, do you have any theories? I mean, so many surprises. We talk about the Mets and Yankees all the time on this podcast. The White Sox have been a surprise, the Padres and the Cardinals. I mean, they win every year. Uh, I know you're at a distance. It may not be that easy for you, but do you have any theories on it? And I know that Nolan Arenado is particularly close to you at a similar type career, perennial all-star started with the Rockies. He went to the Cardinals. I know he does not take losing very well. Generally, I didn't have to see him at the All-Star game to know this. How is he doing? And do you feel like this is just a one-off for the Cardinals and they'll be back next year? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's a lot of factors, John. I, I think you, when, you know, you, let's start, you know, I think the bullpen, you can start there. Um, there was a lot of uh, question marks, and, and Helsley has been hurt and not quite as effective as as maybe they projected um Gallegos hasn't been as effective I I think they at one point when they were still sort of uh teetering on on whether to go for it or to to sell uh their bullpen had blown the most saves and and they had uh you know blown the most late inning leads and and that 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 has carryover you know as a player uh when you when you blow a lead uh it affects the next day affects the team morale when you blow two leads in a row it affects the you know so I, I think that I would start there and that the bullpen is has is, is not been what they had hoped and maybe they fell short and um and maybe getting strikeout guys and and, and kind of bolstering. Uh I see the best teams, you know, they dominate that seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. Uh they don't let leads get away. And and I think the Cardinals have a lot of, let a lot of leads get away. Um I think that in the rotation, um obviously my my greatest friend uh Wayno has has had a had a very difficult year it started sort of with the injuries and he just hasn't been able to recapture I think they were counting on him being able to repeat something close to last year or the year before um he hasn't you know got be able to get it going um you know Jack Flaherty was was good but not kind of what they had hoped as far as like his his peak years um so there was a lot of question marks I think going into the season where you, you dream on these guys sort of having their their best season and and sometimes when you do that, when you kind of anticipate that, oh, OK, this if this guy does this, there was to me, there was a little bit too many question marks in, in the pitching staff of you know, we need this guy to do this and this guy to do that. And uh, when that didn't happen, uh, like I said, a lot of late inning uh, losses uh, that 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 makes it very hard uh, to compete. Uh, and, and I think they will bounce back. I think there's a, a solid nucleus. Uh, you know, obviously Jordan Walker getting a lot of experience should help him next year to really kind of take that next step. Uh, they have a couple young guys coming and Mason Wynn and, and Tink Hintz that I think are going to be impact caliber players. Um, and then I, I, I think Goldie will have a better year next year. I don't think it's obviously been the, the MVP year he had last year. Uh, but I know I know Nolan, uh, you know, is 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 not happy with losing and not happy with um you know he he went there to win and 
But I think sometimes you have to look at how hard baseball is and to win every year and to have a – you're going to have a, a year. You know, every organization does. The Cardinals have, have been able to avoid that losing season, that sort of dip for so long, and where other teams, you know, they, they're experiencing these these dips. So um, I, I think it's a culmination of things that, that just kind of went wrong this year, and then you got to the deadline and, and then sort of threw in the towel and and traded off your two best starting pitchers. And, and, and so – um, you know, now it's it's more about for next year and, and you you know start looking at, at these wins don't really matter. And, and, you know, you're trying to figure out some young pieces and whether they, they are part of the team going forward. So uh, all in all, John, I would say that, that it just uh, a lot of things just just kind of didn't go as well as they had hoped. And, and I think they will bounce back. I, I think that they'll go out and, and sign a couple of starting pitchers next year and and, and bounce back. So uh, that's my hope for them. I've obviously an organization that I love. Ollie's one of my favorite people in the game and, and, uh, and Nolan's one of my, my closest friends. So, and, and um, I, I think it, I think they'll be back next year. <clears throat> you know, Matt, just for the record, he keeps describing that as a trick question. I knew Jackson hit left-handed. I, wa I watched video of Ethan hit left-handed this morning. And I thought to myself, well, I know Matt holiday, I, I actually covered him for a year in New York. I, I, I just was curious about the lefty thing. To wrap up, I want to ask you about another lefty hitter because it moves us forward a little. I believe you work with Cody Bellinger in the offseason, and Bellinger's had a great bounce-back season, and he's a free agent at the end of the year. He had a, So teams are going to have to decide, are the two years before that where he really struggled the rest, real Cody Bellinger, or is he back to this MVP-level Cody Bellinger? What do you know from working with him and knowing him to think that he's a good gamble going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that to me, it's a couple of things. I think uh, injuries, you know, he had had the shoulder injury and he had, had some some been dinged up, which I think sometimes your body, um, it starts to get in bad positions because of the injury. And so I think he had, while he might have been healthy, uh, I think he had gotten into some bad habits. Uh, he had gotten his body into some positioning that we talked about, like his head was in a really bad spot. And, um, you know, he was he was kind of getting in positions that weren't allowing him to use his his God given ability, his talent uh, to where he you know, he was he was head was sort of down and forward. And then he would have to retreat to create space and then swing hard to make up time. Um, so. Uh, I tried to help him with some direction and some like keeping his swing in, in the strike zone longer and just keeping his head up a little bit. And I, I'm not trying to take credit for for the season he's had. He's had an amazing season. I know the Cubs have done an amazing job of of, of coaching him and, and helping him uh, get to where he is today. Uh, I would say to me, Joel, I, I think he is more of 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 what you see this year uh, than maybe the last two years for a couple of reasons. Uh, if I was him and, and I was the Cubs, I would try to make that work. Uh, I think that's a good marriage. I think that he he fits that 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 city. I think he fits that organization. He's been a seems happy, like he seems excited about uh, playing there. It looks like they have a group of guys that he kind of fits well. Um, and 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 that park, especially in the warm days, as you guys know, is is a very hitter friendly park on on a, on a good day. Um, I think he's got speed that allows him that if he's if he's putting the ball in play um, to hit for a high average like he's doing this year at, at 328. Um, so uh, I, I think he's more of of the player that we we remember from those those MVP type seasons and less of the last two years. Um, but 
you know, like I said, I, I think Chicago's a great fit for him and and hopefully uh, the two sides can get together and, and make that a long-term relationship. Well, Matt, I, I, I got to say, uh, this was so good. I, I didn't even get to ask you about quarterback Matt Holiday. I didn't get to ask you about Colorado Rocky Matt Holiday. I didn't get to ask you about Oakland A Matt Holiday now that that team might be leaving the city. So we know Jackson's going to be in the major league soon. Ethan to follow. We hope you join us again uh, at some point in the future. And Matt, thank you so much for joining us this time on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And anytime you guys, you know, I love to talk baseball, particularly with with you guys and and uh, know that you guys love the game like I do. So uh, be happy to come on anytime. And and uh, I love to brag on my kids. I probably went too long with my answers and cost you some of your no, topics you had ready. But uh, <laughs> I uh, I can stick to the script a little better next time if, if uh, you guys are willing to have me back. We're willing to renew that contract. Thank you so much, Matt. All the, all the best to you and your kids. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. John, I know one of the hits was our guest, Matt Holiday, who was really excellent on his career and on his two children who are ahead, steaming towards the major league. John, we will close as usual with hit or error. What do you got this week? Yeah, Matt was fantastic. My, my hit this week is MLB. They're up 9.3% in attendance. Who would have expected that? I know the new rules... Uh, we're a hit early, but not this big a hit. And it's good to see some positivity that we can talk about in baseball. I know we're tend to be, not you, but I, I and others tend to be critical at times. And it's great to see that baseball is up 9.3%. That's a big rise. Give them credit. Yeah. I mean, John, what, what, what's the chances that both of us are going to do hits in the same week? Uh, I'm 20. Uh, well, that's the actual figure. If you do it by that, knowing our personalities, I don't think it's it's a little. It's a little bit like the Yankees' playoff chances at five percent. I don't like us at twenty five. You're right. You're right. I'm uh, wrong. Po- po- positive. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually give it to one of our former guests, Kim Ang. Uh, she needed to improve her offense. She did that in the offseason a little with a Roz for sure. It's going to win the National League batting batting title. At the deadline, I don't think anyone thought it was a big deal to get Jake Berger and Josh Bell. Uh, those two guys combined in their first 24 combined games, 319 average, 975 OPS, six homers, 14 runs, 16 RBIs. The Marlins, after beginning the second half very poorly, I think they lost 17 to 22. I think they've won five of their last six or six of the last seven as we speak, in part because their offense has gotten a lot better because Kim Ang decided to go for it. And as we speak, they're the third wild card. Yes, I'm glad that you praised a uh, former guest of ours. She did a terrific job. Uh, it was a little bit surprising at the end that she made two big trades like that. I know they were emphasizing contact, as we talked about when she was on, and got a rise, who's the perfect contact hitter, and they kind of went the other way. You're right, Bell's been incredible. Berger, he did all those numbers against the Yankees, so I don't know if we put an asterisk on that <laughs> because it was against the Yankees, but he's been really good as well. Uh, last punch at the Yankees. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> you got thanks most for- of the hits, and I, I needed one. I have a feeling those hits are going to keep coming for the rest of the year. Lead balloon. Thank you for joining us on the uh, the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman, a podcast from the New York Post. As always, uh, Andrew Hartz and Jake Brown, our producers, help us get through the show. Don't forget, the show drops on the Yes app about noon every Wednesday. Subscribe, rate, and review us, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast, give us a five-star rating. 
And we're getting closer to the end of this season. We hope you stick with us the whole way on the show with Joel Sherman and John Hayden.